This is a Dragon Blazer production. about unsolved mysteries again. I am incredibly excited for this episode. So I know that we talked about, we, we talked last week, guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you guys like we've had a conversation. But we talked last week, and I said that we were going to be doing a case called the, um, about a girl named Alyssa Turney next. But um, I skipped it because this case is from the town that both Steven and I are from, pretty much, which is pretty fucking awesome. And we're both very excited well, about it. Well, I mean, it's it's about a man who murdered a a child. So, well, yes, maybe, but it's it's, it's maybe from it's from awesome our town. is not the right word we're talking it's here. It's awesome that we get to talk about our hometown because uh, you and I both know that our hometown is incredibly fucking small. Yes, it's ungodly. Like it doesn't even show up on most fucking maps, guys. Uh, so. Like I think there's only a couple of towns that are like smaller in the general vicinity of our area, and one of them is fucking Belleville. <laughs> and Belleville's one main street, homie. Like this isn't the, okay. <laughs> it's like no, it's not awesome that we're talking about child murder, but I I I, mean, I, I would like to talk because like it, it's kind of cool. I, the reason I'm saying it's awesome is because we're looking, we were watching an Unsolved Mysteries episode, and we're going through our notes and shit, and literally we paused the, the, the episode for, like, what was it, like, 15 minutes, trying to find this area in town that they were talking about, and we were able to find it. Right. And we know exactly where some of these things took place, and, and like, we're going to kind of, like, explain some of that, but it's it's way cooler than dealing with a case in a town that you've never been to, in a state that you don't even, like, know anything about. But, like, we live in this town. Like, literally, Stephen and I are going to be taking a... What, like a little road trip? 15 we might, minutes we might, we might that take way. A, a road trip. <laughs> 15 minutes that way to see exactly where these ladies were talking about when they talked about um, her name is Mary Ellen being murdered. Like, you know, it's, it's, it, it's very close to home. And, like, no, I'm not excited to talk about a little girl getting murdered. I'm never excited about that. But I am excited to talk about our hometown and, like, kind of... In fairness, we are a little twisted. That's why we have a true crime comedy podcast. So, uh, but, you know, um, yeah, we might do that. And you know what? 
our phones can record, we could kind of do a little bit of a the walkthrough, a little episode while we're doing the walkthrough of the areas that they were talking about in Mansfield. Yeah, and we would love to do that. So, um, again, not that we're happy to be talking about child murder, but it's a pretty cool thing to be talking about a case that happened in your hometown that, like, I'm actually a little bit familiar with this case. I have heard the man's name before. In fact, I think I remember my mom talking about him back in the day and, like, remember seeing, like, posters and shit with his name on them. Back in the day, like, I, I was very young. Like, I think we were living over... So, Steven's gonna know where I'm talking about. You guys won't. But my family, I was like 10, and my family and I were living over on Ohio Street. You know where I'm talking about? Yeah, Out by where they bit. used to have the G-Spot. I don't know what that was. The G-Spot? I don't know. But you know what I'm talking about. That was a bar that was over there. And sure, yeah. Like, there's that, like, weird mansion that's, like, actually a factory. Like, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm, the recycling yeah. center. And I remember... His name coming onto the television. Pretty sure I've been to the G spot, actually. What was it? Was it a strip club? <laughs> what? It, well, if it's the place I'm thinking about, it is this downtown bar, and they had a stripper pole in the bar, but it, but it wasn't an actual strip club. But and, they let people go up there and dance on the pole if they wanted to. Okay. So it was just a pole that was there for drunk people if they wanted to start stripping. <laughs> Um, it, it doesn't exist anymore. I was literally just down there the other day because one of my friends lived, lives over on Ashland Road now. But um, I Yeah, I think I've been there a couple times. Well, I was over there the other day. That bar doesn't exist anymore. They tore it the fuck down, and now they use it for parking for the recycling center. So that's fun. Um, but, like, see, like, like this is, like, the thing. Like, we're talking about this area, and he's like, yeah, I know where you're talking about. But, like, we were over in that area, and... Like, I remember seeing his name on some posters over in that area because, like, they would post posters on, like... It was, like, a bad part of town. So, I don't know, maybe because it was, like, a bad part of town, they just assumed that, like, you know, if he was in town, he'd be there. But, like, they had posters with his name on them. They didn't, like... Like, it was, like, posters with a couple of people's names on them. So, it wasn't just his, but I do remember seeing his name. And I remember seeing him on the TV once, and my mom being like, what kind of a fucking monster does this to a child, and then gets away with it, and then stays gone for 70 or 20 years, or however long the fuck. It's been a while. <laughs> so, I just, you know, I'm not saying it's cool that we get to talk about a, a murder case, but, you know, I, I would love to bring attention to this case and help, you know, given that we live in this area, I would love to help the family that still lives in this town, by the way, find some peace, if we can get the name out there to you guys, and you guys can help in some way you know I think that would be incredibly beneficial and and very nice so yeah absolutely Uh, fuck this guy Um, but fuck this guy and fuck the guards homie like holy shit so we'll we'll talk more about that when we get farther on we'll talk we'll talk we'll talk we'll talk talk. I got my wine so you know hopefully your cavassier (laughs) <laughs> Hopefully I don't get drunk because when I get drunk I stop making sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I've been drunk on this podcast once, and I remember it being a very, very sporadic, scattered podcast. So hopefully oh. that does not happen again. Okay. Um, but let's talk about the death row fugitive. So, episode three, episode three, volume two of Unsolved Mysteries. Could you hit your noise canceling a little harder? Thank you, sir. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, so, the town, if you guys didn't know, we've kept it very quiet for quite some time, because obviously we don't want everybody to know where we live, but, um, 
If you guys didn't know, we live in a town called Mansfield in Ohio. Um, that's where we're both from. I mean, I don't think either of us live in Mansfield now. We both live in, like, other areas that are not Mansfield. But, but we're cl- we're familiar with the area. We're within driving distance, and by within driving distance, I mean it takes us five minutes to get from point A to point B to get to Mansfield. Both of us. So, right. pretty chill. Um, and Mansfield is a very, very small town. Um, literally, like, we're talking, there's a woman named uh, Myrtle that was Mary Ellen's sister. Um, and she talks about how Mansfield always felt very safe. It doesn't feel as safe anymore because the state of Ohio was, like, what, number four on the country's worst fucking meth problem list. Yeah, it's, it's not... It's it's not a great town now. I mean, I, I love it It might here. have been back in the 60s when this happened, but... Yeah, it's not... Personally, I still love it here, but I still love it here because it's home, not because it's like a good place to live. And let's just say I don't really go to Mansfield very often, not exactly. downtown. <laughs> exactly, like like we and the area that this happened in is now considered a bad part of town. Like I try not to go down there after dark unless I have to. Maybe it's not a good idea for us to uh, actually go to the area. Well, we can go to the area just, like, during the day. But, like, and, like, that particular area that they're talking about specifically where the laundromats are, which I'll get into in a minute, is down by a place called the Friendly House, which is literally, like, um, a place for underprivileged families to send their children after school. And they can stay there until, what is it, like, 6 o'clock in the evening? And it's it's strictly it's specifically for underprivileged families that like have kids in public school that need to work late hours, like that are working twelve hour shifts from the time their kids go to school till late after they get home. And it allows us, like it allows those families to have a place for their kids to be safe. So it's like days. older kid daycare. Exactly, and it keeps the kids off the streets. It keeps them from getting in trouble. And then friendly house will either put your kids on a bus and take them home at the end of the night, or like you can come pick up your kids. And it's, like, a thing. Like, I went there when I was a kid. They have, like, a pool. Like, it's this massive building. It's, like, three floors three floors tall. They have a pool. They have, like, a gym. Like, a big, huge gymnasium. Like, so, obviously, it's not that bad of an area. They have a thing, like, specifically for kids. They have, like, an outdoor playground. But it's not a place in town that, like, it's not the preferred place in town. And it's not a place in town that you would want to get caught in after dark. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so, let's talk. Uh, Michelle Carter is the first person that we hear from, and I'm not focusing on names here, guys, because I do not really need them. Um, so fair warning there. I'm focusing, there's a couple of people, um, I think we missed the name of one guy's name that I want to get, but I'll describe it to you, and if you watch the episode, you'll know who I'm talking about. But, um, I'm not going to be focusing on names much, because at the end of the day, I know the area, I really don't need a lot of the information that they give. Like, they give good information, but I don't need a lot of it, if that makes any sense. And Steven and I talked about that, and he agreed. So it's not like, I know too much, I'm too smart, I don't need these people. No. We generally, we genuinely know a good chunk uh, about this area. We don't need the area. As long as we know Mary Ellen's name. Exactly. We know Mary Ellen's name, we know the person, the one person from her family that spoke a lot, and um, I'm going to try to be as respectful as I possibly can. Um, There will be obviously some jokes because it's a comedy podcast, but... um, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna try to go into this and just be as chill as possible. So, Mar- Myrtle Carter is the name of Mary Ellen's sister, and she takes us back to 1965. Now, 1965 to most people is going to sound like the height of racism and the height of bad shit. But I don't recall Mansfield ever having those issues very badly. 
even when I learned about it in history class, it was never an issue that we learned about in Mansfield history that much. Like, if we're talking about a town like Shelby, which is about 30 minutes outside of Mansfield, um, yeah, they still have an active KKK fucking branch out there. Of course they do. So, like, there's, like, still a law in fucking practice out there. And just so we're clear... We have taken a stance. Fuck the KKK. Fuck the KKK. Okay, continue. That's right. There's like just like, want to make sure. If that's we were talking about Shelby, clear. I would understand the point. But like, we're not. Like Shelby, Shelby still has a law where you can like lynch a black person if they do something specific. And, and, what? and like, and it's an active law. Oh my god. But we're not talking about Shelby. We're talking about Mansfield. So I wanted to make that distinction that we do have towns like that in Mansfield, man, or around Mansfield, but Mansfield's not one of them. So you don't go to Shelby often. Homeboy, we've talked about this. I don't go to Shelby unless I got a white person on my ass, like, with me. Like, nah, homie. You know, it's it's funny. Like, when I dated your cousin, that was the first time that I had ever been to the Shelby Mall or fucking oh, yeah. any of that shit because my ass was not going out there by myself. Fair enough. I remember I had a friend of mine. And <laughs> he was, he's a big black dude. And he asked me, he's like, hey, man, we used to have this place called Stickman's in Shelby. Now it was like a gaming place, guys. It was, it was Steven's a, video a nerd. Games. Is yeah, what I'm he a said. nerd, and I, and I like buying used games, stuff like that. So I used to go to Stickman's a lot. Um, awesome place. It was in Shelby. Now I am a a white man. He's so a white man. I am a I'm a I'm a white man. You and white I male. was unaware of this uh, stigma or uh, how Shelby was. Okay, I wasn't aware. You know. Uh, and uh, this friend of mine was like, "Hey, man," he's like, "I'd like to go to Stickman's. Would you? Would you go to Stickman's with me?" I'm like, "Uh, sure. I guess I can go to Stickman's with you. Why? Why?" He's like, "I was like, y- you uh, need a ride or something?" He's like, "Oh no, I'm fine with the ride." <laughs> he's like, "But I don't go there." By myself. No. I was like, I was like, what? Why? Like Shelby's bad. Like my mom knew a kid in the in the nineties. She said it was before I was born, so it had to be like ninety eight. But um, like I guess this guy was in Shelby, drove by this white woman on the side of the road that her car had broken down, and he tried to help her. And before he could even help this woman and get out of town. These white men had to come and beat the fuck out of him. He was in the hospital. I think he died there. Oh, jeez. And yeah. those men did not go to jail. They never faced any charges because that's still a law out there. So, like, these things happen. They still happen to this day. Right. But in the city that we're talking about in the 60s, it just... we Like, we learned about history of Mansfield. I don't know if you did, but I did. Like, there used to be an amusement park here and, like, all that stuff. Like, we learned about this shit. But I don't ever remember learning about, like... Racism really bad in this area because it was just an extremely oh, no, I didn't. area. Yeah, I mean, I lived in a when I, where I grew up. It wasn't as diverse. We had we had one family that was in town. Uh, but yeah, you grew up in Crestline, homie. Where like it's a village, homie. It's not a town. Yeah, <laughs> but so, but yeah, he's like he's like asking me to go to Shelby, and I'm like, okay, why, why? He's like, man, I don't go Shelby. He's like, I need a token white guy. You're that token white guy. I'm like, kind of what? like I'm what? the token. Kind of like so. If you guys didn't know, I'll I'll let you in on the secret here. And Steven's phone. I don't know if I still am, but there was a time when he lived with me and my ex that I was literally like, wasn't I saved in your phone as token black friend or something weird like that? 
No, I mean, I mean, it wasn't I, in the group chat. It was in it was, it either, was in the group. That's chat. what it was. It was in a group chat between me and our friend Summer. If you watch Steven's other podcast, drunk like me, it's drunk summer. Um, <laughs> drunk summer made drunk a summer. podcast one night, and he was the Nazi, and I was. I was, I was Nazi, you were token back then. <laughs> what was Summer? I don't remember. Uh, Big Daddy or something. B- Big Daddy, that's right! <laughs> but um, no, Mansfield didn't have as many issues. Like, obviously, I think Mansfield's issues with race were more about mixing the races, if that makes any sense. I mean, that, they the, didn't have an especially issue. Especially in the 60s, I'm sure yeah. that was a big they issue. Didn't, they didn't have an issue with, like, black people or white people, but you weren't supposed to mix the two. Yeah. Because Homeboy was going downtown in the middle of the night to go out dancing when he killed this girl. So obviously there weren't those kinds of problems back then. And the only reason I'm making this a point is because this is a black man that was put in prison and there are always those people that are going to be like, they just put him in prison because he was a black man. No, homie, because they were defending this black little girl's family. When they put him in prison. Yeah, this this case actually... I wanted to make it very... That's why, like, we went off on a tangent, and I don't know if it made it was very clear. But that's why I'm drawing the line in the sand right there. That's why I'm doing that. This, uh, this case really helped reaffirm my, uh, my, my humanity here. And work. I mean, yeah, this is one of the few Unsolved Mysteries episodes where there is no fuck the police. There's fuck the fucking guards. There's fuck the guards. But not the, fuck the, the police. The prison system. <laughs> but not fuck the police. The police did their job. The police they did got, a good they, fucking job. Yeah, we'll continue, go but they off. did their fucking job. Go okay? off, Mansfield PD. Like, ha- go off, because y'all were doing your shit right. Let me just throw it out Not there. only did they did their job, they did their job to seek justice for a 14 year old black girl. Yes, that's so, what I said. So, how... Slow clap. Uh, <laughs> Go off, Mansfield PD. Clap Go the hand off. for like, that. Holy shit. See, and like, it's funny because like, I know like two current police officers on the Mansfield PD and I've always supported the Mansfield PD because very rarely does Mansfield PD fuck up. Very rarely. So go off, Mansfield PD. Do your shit. If what? you're listening to my podcast and you're on the Mansfield PD and you know me, you know who you fucking are. So. Go just, blue. Just throwing it out there. Like, you know, Mansfield PD, Blue Lives Matter. I will go that far. Got, got justice for a 14-year-old <laughs> girl. It's not their fault that the prison system's dumb as fuck. And it Let's wasn't. Let's continue. Let's continue. It wasn't even Let's the Mansfield fucking prison system. Oh, my God. No, no, it wasn't even Mansfield. <laughs> That's what gets me. Mansfield is on this <laughs> did is is where the crime committed. That's it. Like Mansfield was doing great. They otherwise. have a really bad egg in Mansfield. <laughs> Everyone else did their job. Everyone else did their job. I bet you money that uh, we'll talk about the, the prison that I thought this guy got put in and I bet you money that if he had gone to that fucking prison he would have never gotten out. It would not have happened because that prison is fucking haunted as shit now because of the way they taught their prisoners. <laughs> like it was bad. <laughs> anyway. Alright, let's continue so we can praise them properly. Let's talk about Mary Ellen Denner, who is our victim in this case. She was a 14-year-old girl um, from Mainsfield, obviously. 14-year-old, beautiful black girl. We see pictures of her, and she was just a beautiful little girl. Um, so on November 14, 1965, um, this was back in the day. I'm shocked that they had washing machines, because this was in 1965, but these two, these two girls, Mary Ellen and her sister Brenda, um had the task of washing the clothes. And according to Myrtle, their dryer was broken, but their washing was working. So they had the tour of washing their clothes that day. 
and they had all of these wet clothes because their dryer was broken. So they go out and catch a taxi to um, the side of town that we were talking about. Is that normal for 14-year-old and what was the other one, 12, 11? Yeah, back in the day, in the 60s, it was fine. Like, especially in a small town like Mansfield, like, you heard Myrtle. Like, I agree with her. Mansfield, when I was little, Mansfield felt very safe. I didn't have to worry about anything. My mom used to let me, like, walk up the street. When you were little, that was like five years ago. I was little in 2001, homie. Like, well, 2005. I, I, I don't I don't think I remember even it'll be considered safe in well like it like there, there are certain areas now the whole place like now anywhere I'm driving a Manson I'm constantly watching to make sure I'm not being followed or anything weird like that but back then there were still good areas like my mom used to let me walk up like we used to live on a street called Rachel Road which now is like cracked out as fuck but like we used to live on a, on a street called Rachel Road just off of Main Street. I don't know if you know where I'm talking about, but it's like across from Malabar Farm or Malabar School, kind of. Okay. Um, and like down by Mansfield Restaurant and all that shit. And like my mom used to let me walk up to this next street over to catch the ice cream truck, and that wasn't a problem. Gotcha. So well, like I don't think, especially in 1965, when things were not bad at all in Mansfield. Like, we might, like, there might have been some stoners here, but, like, I don't think that the, there was not a meth problem, obviously. There might have been a coke or a crack problem, but it wasn't like it is now. Well, they didn't say anything about this guy doing drugs. So no, that's not what I'm saying. It doesn't seem like I'm, drugs I'm, are, No, drugs, drugs were not involved. This guy was just a legit, I'm just saying terrible that, like, human being. Drugs are what make Mansfield bad now, and I don't think that was the case back then. So in 1965, it probably was normal for a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old because you have to remember also back in that time, specifically in black families, I'm not going to say, I'm not saying this to be racist or rude, please don't think that, guys, but specifically in black families, we had to grow up a lot younger. And not only did we have to grow up a lot younger, but this is in the 60s, these kids knew how to handle themselves when they were like 10. In case something happened with the police, in case something happened that they had to defend themselves, in case those things. So, like, these kids probably were more so on the level of like a 17 year old and a 14 year old than a 14 year old and a 12 year old. Okay, fair enough. Um, so they catch a taxi to go dry their clothes. They go down to um, a street um, that is called Spring Mill Street. Now, we have a Spring Mill Road and a Spring Mill Street. They were on Spring Mill Street. And on Spring Mill Street, there is in today's world, in, in modern times, there is a Dollar General. When I was little, I very vividly recall there being a laundromat where that Dollar General is now. So I think that's where that, that laundromat was. Okay. And they go down to that laundromat and her... So there's another street called what uh, Mulberry, right? North Mulberry North Street. North Mulberry, which is the street that um, their grandmother lived on. No, no, no. Grandmother lived on... Um, Grandmother lived on North Mulberry, and that's where the second laundromat was. The first laundromat... Negative. Negative. No, it was, positive. What was the other street? Spring uh, Mill Bowman. Street. Bowman Street Bowman is where Street the is where they lived. lived on. No, Bowman Street is where they Grandma lived. Grandma lived next to the Spring Mill Street uh, laundromat, no. not North Mulberry. No, no, no. No, no because no. they said they pull went... Pull that shit up. Pause this pull, podcast and pull, pull that shit up. Uh, all right, well... <laughs> All right, all right. We're gonna pause this podcast and pull that shit up. Hang that, on. We're gonna pull that shit up, as she said. <laughs> yes, I will. We will be One second, right guys. back. We'll be right back. <laughs> 
All right, Kazaya, what is the answer? Okay, so we were talking about the same thing. We were talking about the same place. I had where Grandma's house was wrong. Right. So you were right about where Grandma's house was, but we were talking about the same fucking laundromat. Okay. You said that it was the laundry. Her house was by the laundromat that was on North Mulberry. Yes, Street. I know, but I was that I had, I had Grandma's house wrong, and I admitted that. I would just like you to just say Stephen was right. I'm not going to say that. Shit. Just say Stephen was right. Stephen was. I get it. Ah, fuck it. <laughs> Continue. That's <laughs> um, right. Whatever. So they catch a taxi to go to the Spring Mill laundromat. Um, I guess that Grandma was living right next door to that laundromat, pretty much. Um, and remember, I said that I'm pretty sure I know where this laundromat used to be. I think it's a Dollar General now. Um. And then, so they go there to dry the clothes and. I'm kind of confused as to why the mom did not have the girls go to the grandmother's house while the clothes were drying. Because if they were my kids, that's exactly what I would have done. Or or why this little girl, why why this little girl walked all the way to the other side of So they ran out of change when they were drying clothes. Well, and instead of going to her grandma's house and checking to see if her grandma had changed first, she left her little sister in the laundromat and walked five minutes out of the way down towards North, North Mulberry Street, which in today's world is the street the friendly house is on, and walks down that way to get trains from a second laundromat. Well, they had the money. It sounds like they had the money. They just needed to get change, and the change machine was broken. Maybe. I mean, it's not my business. I'm not going to sit here and say, that's why this little girl died. No, because this little girl shouldn't have died walking five minutes around the corner. It's just a little weird to me, because, like, my mom was always very specific about how I did things. The way it showed on the the episode, it seemed like the, it was, they were doing that at night. They were. That's so, why I said, like, I'm shocked so, the mom wasn't like, hey, if you run out of change, go check and see if your grandma has any before you go to the second So laundry. grandma was probably asleep. I mean, grandma wasn't asleep enough. It wasn't that late because these girls probably had school the next day. And Unless I, it was a weekend. What, what, I mean, did, do you remember what the day was? But I, I, I know a lot of grandparents, and a lot of grandparents I know seem to be around... Go to sleep around six or seven. Yeah, but so. the whole point of them going to that laundromat on Spring Mill Street—they felt safe. The whole point of that, them going to that laundromat on Spring Mill Street was so that if something happened, they could go to their grandma's house. Well, in their eyes, probably was you know why disturb grandma for this? this I, 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 an I get that. I get that. It, it's so it's just coming from a family, and like I love my mom. My mom is extremely controlling. So coming from a family where. You have a mom that's very, very controlling, and you have a mom that, like, gives you instructions for every little thing you do. Like, my mom was always very clear. Like, I remember one time my mom let me go get ice cream from the ice cream truck, and she was like, if you don't have enough money, she was like, I'll take you out to buy ice cream. You come right back. Like, my mom was very strict about those things. Or if I was in the library and I wanted to go look at a book, she was like, if you're not back in ten minutes... I'm going to raise hell in this library. Like, that's how my my mom was. So for, like, me, like, my mom's instructions would have been, go to your grandma's house first, see if she has the change you need, and just give her the money, and I'll get get it back from her later or whatever. 
and that'll be fine before you walk around the corner. So, like, I guess in my mind, it's just a weird thing. It's just a weird. Well, in fairness, they don't really talk about the reasons. They don't talk. They don't discuss this as an option. Um, I I think we're willing to bet that they probably didn't want to disturb Grandma unless it was an emergency. And at the time, you know, they didn't know there was going to be some psychotic douchebag. Uh, down that road, and she right. just needed to Now, I to will get say this. There, it would have been a school night because it fell on a Sunday. Okay. I did Google it and it fell on a Sunday. So, I mean... When, what, di- when, what day was this? What uh, November 14th, so it wouldn't quite have been fall break yet. Um, and like I said, it's, like, not a big deal. Like, I guess in my mind, like, your reasoning makes sense. It's just something strange in my mind. Like, it sits weird, and it makes me want to be ten times as more specific with my kids if, God forbid, I ever had to have them do something like this because I was at work or something. Not that I have kids. I don't have kids. But I'm just saying if I did. You know what I'm saying? Like, it makes me want to be ten times more specific because this could have been avoided. I'm guessing they just didn't want to disturb her. and um, or, Or it might be as simple as they enjoyed having this little bit of freedom and, like, being able to do these things on their own. Right, right. And that's why I said, like, I'm not blaming anybody. It's just a weird, it's a weird thing. Because the only person to blame is Lester fucking Eubanks. But, you know, like, it's just, it's it's one of those things, like, you've said it in cases before, where you're like, it doesn't bother me. I'm not blaming the victim for doing this. Like, I think we talked about the case where, like, the cameras got turned off somehow in one of our Unsolved Mysteries cases, the cameras got turned off, and you were like, I'm not blaming the person, you know, her for turning her cameras off. I just think it's a weird coincidence that she turned her cameras off. Right. You know, like, and that's just where my head is. is I'm not blaming anybody. It's nobody's fault but the person that did it. It's just a weird thing for me. That's all. Yeah, for me, I guess it just, I didn't really think of it. I understand why you are thinking of it, but I can see logical reasons. I can, why I they can didn't. see both sides. So I'm not saying I can't. I can see both sides. My brain's just, you know. It's very unfortunate she didn't go to grandma's, but. It is very unfortunate. And, and, and know, who knows? Maybe that wouldn't have changed anything anyway. Yeah, because if grandma was asleep, and I don't know if grandma left her door unlocked or. You know, I mean, we are talking about a time when people could have left their doors unlocked. So, what if he had seen her go in there and didn't just end up killing her, but ended up killing her dog? Like, it's it's a yeah. what if situation. I don't want to play the what if game. I'm just I was making a point that it was just a little strange. You see that? Unsolved mysteries. It's official. Another volume is coming. Yes, I'm excited. Are you guys excited? I'm ready. Sorry, I didn't mean to yell. Well, we uh, still need to finish this. Season. So they're drying the clothes. Um, <laughs> They run out of change. And so she walks. So they show us a map. And we know exactly where they're going. So essentially, if if I'm thinking what I'm thinking, they walk out of what is now the Dollar General, or she walks out of what is now the Dollar General, walks down North Mulberry Street, turns left, and walks into, like, it's train tracks now. It would have been train tracks then, so I'm trying to think where this other laundromat could have been. I guess if you go just past the train tracks, there is a... A building over there that could have been a laundromat at the time, or the building could be torn down, I'm not sure. But they walk down past what is now a Marathon gas station, and it looks like they would have been going across the street from the Marathon. You know where I'm talking about. Yeah. So, that's what that appears to be. Um, And I guess between the second laundromat and um, the first laundromat, 
poor little Mary Ellen was brutally fucking murdered on and on just on the side of the road by a man who did not care. And we know in today's world would have been considered a sexual predator or a serial rapist. Or a serial attempted rapist, sorry, let me correct that. Um so <clears throat> Mary Ellen, so a couple hours, well, they didn't say how long, but I, I would assume a couple of hours went by. And, you know, if I... I it I, had to be because the um, Lester left after shooting her So she twice. was she was gone for at least 45 minutes before he bashed her head in. So it could have been about an hour before little sister realized that so she's gone, but I'm going to guesstimate that it was more of an hour and a half to two hours type deal. Um, but eventually, about an hour and a half, I would assume an hour and a half to two hours into her sister being gone, little sister Brenda gets a little concerned and a little confused and is like, bro, what the fuck? And goes over to her grandma's because her sister never came back. And she, she according to... Myrtle. I keep wanting to say Mary Marianne or Mary Ellen, but it's Myrtle. Sorry. Myrtle says that little sister Brenda goes over to Grandma's house and does not seem stressed or anything. It's just like, yeah, Mary Ellen went to go get um, change from the other laundromat and never came back. And so, and, and the grandma didn't necessarily seem stressed either. So, I'm assuming maybe they thought that she just got sidetracked or something. Because um, it didn't, at least, like, do you recall them saying that they were, like, stressed out or freaking? I don't recall. Well, I mean, especially back in those days and, um, especially back in those days and then also the fact that, you we were know, in a, they, were in a small they didn't town, really like think about these kind of terrible crimes happening. Mm-hmm. So, they probably didn't think much of it. They th- probably thought that maybe she saw a friend or someone and was talking to them and so I don't recall and we could be wrong don't quote me on this again we just watched the episode once um but it just it 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 I don't recall anybody being like oh my god the little sister was freaking out because Mary Ellen wasn't back or grandma was freaking out like literally they were like well grandma says stay here let me go see if I can find her right and according to Myrtle. Grandma does not even get... I don't even think she gets halfway down North Mulberry between... Like, from her house gets to North Mulberry and turns. I don't even think she gets halfway down the road before the police go up to her and, like, she was able to see... See, now, this is sounding wrong. I was pretty sure the girl found uh, Mary Allen. The little girl? Yeah. No. No. The little girl went to her grandma's house... And, and like, we, we know this, so I assume, if I had to guess, which we'll talk about his actual confession, but we don't know which way he pulled the girl, because I couldn't find, I googled it for, like, 20 minutes trying to find the, um, actual full confession of this man, and I couldn't find it. But, um, the cops do say when we actually get the confession, which I'll talk about the confession in a little bit, um, that he grabbed her and dragged her behind a house. So I'm assuming that he grabbed her from just outside of Nor- from just outside the laundromat on Spring Mill Street because she probably crossed the street initially, so she wouldn't have to cross it again. 
and I bet you money he grabbed her and dragged her down over to North Mulberry Street. That would make the most sense because she was found on North Mulberry Street. Right. So he probably grabbed her and pulled her behind the house. So she was found on North Mulberry Street. She had been... Her grandmother went to go find her. I don't even think she made it halfway to... I don't even think she made it halfway to where she had... She would have had to go to get to the um, laundromat. And she sees the police, and the police stop her. And she was able to see Mary Ellen. And when we find out what all the way happened to Mary Ellen later, I cannot imagine what that grandmother felt looking at her granddaughter. Um, I imagine when she first saw the, the police... Sirens, her heart had to drop. It had to. And then and then seeing your granddaughter lying on the ground, shot twice, blood everywhere and her head bashed in. That's like I can't even fucking imagine. Like like I I was watching that and I wanted to cry for her. Right. Yeah, that was uh that's terrible. Um Fuck Lester. Fuck Lester. Anyways, continue. So I mean, we're going to get to Lester in just a second. So, the sheriffs come to Mary Ellen's house the next day and tell them, obviously, what happened. And she said that her world was just, like, it stopped. Like, you know, her world stopped. Her mother's world stopped. Like, her mother was in hysterics crying and screaming and wailing in pain, which I can imagine. I have only ever heard a woman wail in pain for her child once, and it's fucking blood curdling and that was when I did research for the West Memphis 3 case when um, C.B. Branch's mother finds out that her son is dead she literally falls down and screams in pain I can just I mean I have a 14 year old daughter and I can just imagine I don't want to imagine that would be nightmare inducing but like, like I, I imagine that that mother was wailing in pain for her daughter the same way that Stevie Branch's mom was wailing in pain for him. Especially because of the way that this girl died. Yeah. So after the police inform the family, obviously, they go through fucking grade A police work, Mansfield PD. Thank you so much for being fucking right. great so I don't have to say fuck the police in my own fucking hometown, but... Good job, guys. Go on. Right. Um, they immediately... So back in the day, Mansfield is kind of like in an area of Mansfield, which if you don't know anything about Mansfield, it's corn and soybeans and like two major cities and then more corn and soybeans. And that's it. <laughs> Am I wrong? No, that's, that's no, fucking no, it. No. So like obviously like there's a lot of hunting, a lot of fishing out here. It's a lot of Ohio, really. <laughs> Just corn and soybeans. Just corn and soybeans. Um, It's like corn, corn, corn. Ooh, look, a soybean field. Fucking Columbus. (laughs) Corn, 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 soybeans. Cleveland. And that's the end. That's it. And like Cedar Point at the very end. (laughs) Um, So, back then, back in the day when people, when old people were, like, you know, like, back in the day. Um, hardware stores in Mansfield were able to sell guns. You didn't have to have a special permit or anything, so back then they were able to sell guns. Um, so, on Diamond Hardware, on North Diamond Street, which I'm pretty sure I know the area that they're talking about, I don't know if I've ever seen that specific hardware store, but that area of town is also not the best part of town. 
and it sucks because those are the parts of town that black people like, um, what was her name? What was his name? Lester. Black people like Lester would have gone to to buy guns, and that's still the way now because, unfortunately, like, even though it wasn't like, I wouldn't say we had horrible race issues. Oh, I actually know exactly where that might be. You know where that is? I know the Diamonds, uh... Diamond Street Heart or not hardware store, but I know the uh, the pawn shop down there. Well, there's a Guyers down there too. I'm not aware of this Guyers. There's a Guyers down there too. It's like it's on South Diamond, not North. But for some reason, North Mulberry and South Mulberry and North Diamond and South Diamond do the same thing. They're the same fucking road, but at some point they were like, "This is no longer going north; it's going south, homie." So they just literally like. At some point in the street, it stops saying North Diamond and it starts saying South. So it's like it's all in the same general area. But there's guys down there. I know where you're talking about the pawn shop. There's like a drive-through down there. Like yeah, right. Um, but like they were the low-income areas back then, and unfortunately, black people earned less than white people, so they were low-income areas back then, and they're still low-income areas now, which is why they're not the best parts of town to be in. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so they go to Diamond Street Hardware, or Diamond North, or Diamond Hardware on North Diamond Street, and they found a gun sale that matched um, the gun description of the sh- like what had shot Mary Ellen because they did they they had bullets they were able to find the caliber all that stuff. Great um, police work. Great police work, and um, it was listed to a Lester Eubanks. Um, and Myrtle says that she had known of him. She didn't know him personally, but she knew of him. She knew that he was weird and he was like a loner. And like he would walk down the road like multiple times a day, and he would just have nunchucks. Like and that was it. Like he'd just go back and forth with his nunchucks, and that was it. Which is disappointing because nunchucks are cool. Really, I don't like to, them to be associated with uh, losers, douchebag, um, yeah, assholes. You, you douche. Um. David Slyer is the one name that I would pay attention to because he is on the federal end somebody that is pushing for this man to get put in prison to this day. Right. Um, and he said that in today's world, Lester would have been considered a sexual predator. So in today's world, because he had already been put in prison on two separate occasions prior to that, um, well, I don't know if for, prison, but he went to... He went to he, jail. He went, he went to court... He was out on bond for the second. Yeah, that's how he was able to get to Mary Ellen, is that he was out on bond for an attempted rape. Somebody had bonded his ass out. So he was out. So I don't think he was convicted of either one. One of them, I don't know for sure, but he definitely had... He definitely was what we would consider a sexual predator in today's world. And so he was out on bond for this rape attempt, and he ended up... uh, so on Sunday morning they pick him up and he confesses to the whole fucking thing and he's like he tells them that he was just hanging around the area and he sees Mary Ellen and David David Slyer talks about it he's like he was just hanging around the area and he saw an opportunity he saw this gorgeous little girl walking across the street to try to get to a laundromat he grabbed her by the by the fucking back of whatever dragged her behind a house and was trying to rape her. And Mary Ellen was screaming and making a fuss and making noise, and he put his hand over her mouth, and she would not stop fighting, and she would not stop screaming. So he shot her twice. Hmm. Um, 
Now he goes to get ready to go downtown dancing, and if you know anything, you guys, you guys, I'm almost fucking positive, probably don't. But downtown Mansfield is literally like the old timey square to this day. Like we have restaurants down there that have been open since what the 40s. Coney Island has been open since when? The fucking like 20s or something. Like it's been open for a long time. Like it's been open probably since the 40s or 50s. 1500s. And. <laughs> People were eating conies in the 1500s. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Have this wiener dog. <laughs> have this coney dog, sir. Like, um, and like, it, it's still pretty bumping now. Like, I have a friend that lives around the downtown Mansfield area, and it's pretty bumping. Like, they do this thing called Final Fridays, and it basically the whole place turns into an entertainment district for the night, and you can drink, and you can party, and you can chill, and nobody cares. It's awesome. So, I assume if it's awesome now, it was even awesomer back in the day to go dancing and, you know, do your shit, you know, drink, whatever. So, he was going to go out and hang out downtown and dance, which was common for the time, especially because disco was a thing. And it takes him about Oh, this is the 60s. Yeah. Disco wasn't a thing yet. That's 70s. It started in the 60s and carried over into the 70s. I don't believe that. That's hippies. Hippies were in the 60s. The free love movement was ended by Charles Manson committing murders in 1969. Right. So disco would have started before that if it was hippie music. Disco isn't hippie music. You just said it's hippie music. I said the 60s was hippie music. I'm confused, and I I need it. It's fine. I'm tired, guys. Anyway, so he comes back, and, like, he shaves, he does his hair up, you know, gets his fro all nice, and after he's murdered this young girl, um, well, he thinks murdered this young girl, and he comes back 45 minutes later, and she is still alive, writhing in pain, and instead of shooting her again to make it a quick, painless death, this man beats her fucking skull in with a brick, because he's a sick bastard. Son of a bitch. So, that seems like his dad is also a son, a son of a bitch. His man is his dad is a fucking clergyman. That's the fucking problem. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to offend anybody here, but typically, what happens is men of the clergy protect their own. So he will protect his son because he's part of him. Instead of being like, murder is literally against God. It was the first. Sin after he yeah, has a pretty big one on that created. list. Yeah, literally, like it was like what the second sin ever committed because um, Cain killed Abel or something like that. So if we're talking about the clergy, I'm just throwing that out there, homie. Just saying, just make it a point. Um. Anyway, so you know he confesses. So the court case is in May of 1966 at the Richland County Courthouse, which if it's in the same place that it's in today. Um, I know exactly where that is, too, and it was probably less than 15 minutes from where the murder was committed. Um, actually, I think it's less than 10, but I could be wrong. I think it's, like, maybe a seven-minute drive if you hit every single light between here and there. Right. Um, and Mary, or, uh, Myrtle was at the trial because she said she wanted him to know that people cared. He wanted... That they that she had people that cared about her. He wanted she wanted him to know what he took from the world. Essentially, is what she was saying, and I, I respect that. So Dale Fortney, 
who was the lieutenant for Mansfield Police Department, said that Lester was convicted and sent to death row after testifying against himself. He went up on that stand and told the entire fucking courtroom what he did to that little girl. And he must have been pretty proud of it. Narcissistic son of a bitch. Um, so now what I... Let's talk about the prison I thought he went to. Because this shit would have never fucking happened if he went to the prison that I thought he went to. We have a prison in Mansfield, which I'm sure you actually probably heard of because it's one of the most haunted places in the United States of America. And it also is the place that the movie Shawshank Redemption was filmed. And it's called the Mansfield Reformatory. If he had been there, he would not have ever gotten out. He would still be there to this day serving out his fucking life sentence. No, he wouldn't. They closed that down a while ago. You know what I'm saying. Like, he would still be in prison. Until he had to be shipped out because it closed down in 1990. Yeah, but everything with the reformatory was so much more... The the plus side would have been he probably wouldn't have survived it. Exactly. Because, so, like, just so we all understand each other, the Mansfield Reformatory, like, they do a haunted prison experience there every year, and I want to go this year, but I've checked it out so many times because they mix in the fake ghosties with the real ghosties in that bitch. <laughs> they be mixing them. And let me t- Are you talking about just the haunted experience? The I'm talking, yeah, I'm talking about the haunted prison, prison experience. Yeah, I oh, want to go to blood prison this I've year. I've done by that the way. a couple times. I chickened out more than once because I could not justify in myself going into this place and allowing them to mix the fake ghosty woasties with the real ghosty woasties that are there. Because, like, when you grow up in Mansfield, you hear lots of stories about the fucking ghosty woasties and that son of a bitch. The ghosty woasties. <laughs> Let me tell you. Nothing a- says frightening ghosts. Like ghosty woasties. Like ghosty woasties. <laughs> so, one of the stories that you hear, um, one of the ghosts is very prevalent out there, and one of the reasons I won't go in there is because one of the ghosts is the female spirit, the wife of the warden, from, like, way back when the wife of the warden got killed by a whole bunch of prisoners during a riot, and so now, like, when you go up to the warden's office, if you're up there and you stand there for a few minutes, typically the spirit will come and you can smell roses, which was her favorite flower. Um, like, so you hear these stories, and you know that there's real ghosties in there, so why are we mixing the fake and the real ghosties? I don't understand. So I couldn't convince myself to do it. But I'm about, I, I want to do it this year really badly, because they're doing something called Blood Prison, and it's going to be, like, incredible. It's like a ghost-themed, or a clown-themed haunted prison this year, and I hate clowns, so I'm going to torture myself double. <laughs> See, I, I've been to Blood Prison. I enjoy Blood Prison. You've been to the Haunted Prison Experience. This year's Blood Prison. Quite last year was something else. It's been blood prison for the last three years. Yeah, but it's always a different theme is what I'm saying. Fair enough. I've been to the different themes quite a few times. It's fun. It's fun time. Uh, I think a couple years ago they had like a freak show tent that was extra uh, outside of the prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, that that was cool. I mean, I work for a haunted house, so I like these kind of things. Is it a good haunted house? Should I go? I was telling Summer that we oh, should. Yeah. You, me, Mary Beth, and her should all go together. I don't know if I'm allowed to go anymore. I have a heart condition. I don't think I'm supposed, <laughs> I don't think I'm supposed to go to those anymore. I was like, what did you do the last time you were there? Oh, no. What happened? 
Heart, heart condition. Heart I, don't, condition. Heart I don't know if I'm supposed to, but anyway. So the way that they treated their prisoners, like, there's a reason that place is haunted. Because every single person that died in that place died a fucking horrible death. Like, people literally hang themselves from the rafters as opposed to stay in that prison. If he was in that prison, homeboy would have lived out his sentence or died fucking trying. I'm just hoping that somebody would have heard he was a child murderer and... Yeah, because Mansfield Reformance where he did not fucking play, homie. Like, they'd be stabbing people for less. They're like, he's a child murderer, say less, and he'd be dead. Right. So, you know, that's a thing. But he, in fact, did not go to the Mansfield Reformatory, which would have made the most sense because he was convicted in Richland County, so I don't understand why they didn't send him to the, the prison that was here. Because we have a new prison now called Mansi that we use for all of those, you know, prisoners. But, like, back in the day, it was the Reformatory, so I don't understand why they wouldn't send the person that they convicted to the Mansfield Reformatory. No, they sent him an hour away to Columbus. Hmm. To the Ohio Penitentiary. And which was in Columbus, um, which was in downtown Columbus, which I stay the fuck out of downtown Columbus even now, just so we all understand each other. Like, I, I mainly spend time in, like, Polaris and Easton, and, like, I go to Germantown for, like, the Thurman, and that's it. Well, you come to my town, huh? I do. Oh, yeah. Get some sauerkraut? Um, no, I get the burgers some that are... Some that, no, I get. I go to the Thurman for burgers that are the size of my fucking face. Some mugs of lava. That's it. I just go to. I just go for the burgers that are the size of my face. Uh-huh. I go for Other World too, which is on the same side of Columbus's Germantown, so that's nice. Um. Anyway, he was put on death row and sent to the Ohio Penitentiary, and he lived out, you know, his sentence on death row until, of course, on three separate occasions, his ex- execution was pushed back, and then in what was it, nineteen. 19- 72? Yeah. Um, Ohio abolished the death, uh, the death penalty. So he no longer could be convicted or um, executed. executed. So he became a lifer in general population. Gen pop, I think yeah. they call it. Yep, yep, gen pop. So he moved to gen pop, and when he moved to gen pop, um, he. So Lester was, and this is something that's said by every single person in the fucking documentary. Every single person that talks about him talks about him. He was a very smooth talker. He had a way with words. He was a... I believe truly that he was a narcissist because he was able to manipulate his way into a situation where he was a child murderer and he was allowed off of... Like, he worked his way into this honor system. And in this honor system, obviously, it's not in effect anymore. And it sucks because somebody like Lester is probably the person that ruined it. And it was probably a really good setup. Like, these prisoners were allowed to go off of... It would be okay for, like, maybe a thief. For a thief or, you know, or, or not like, somebody... Not a child on, fucking exactly, murderer. Like, a thief. Somebody on drug charges. Somebody that didn't commit murder of a, a 14 violent crime. But, you know, sure... But, like, and, it, like, that's why I said it probably would have been a good idea for somebody that wasn't, like, the, the, the whole point of the program was to rehabilitate, to help them adjust to life on the outside after they left. He shouldn't even have been eligible because he was a lifer. He should not have been eligible. Technically, technically, life, a life sentence is 25 years, but when you go from being a death row inmate to a lifer, you just live out the rest of your life in prison. That's how that works. So he shouldn't have even been eligible. No, he shouldn't have done um, but anyway, they allow There's him into this... There's a lot this, of shinadoves here. Yeah. They allow him into this honors program, and a lot of the other inmates I've heard were great, like, they were fine, but he ruined the whole program for everybody. And what it was was it allowed, like, 
if you had good behavior, it was a way to incentivize good behavior. Good behavior, you could go off of, you could go off of grounds for something. You could drive a bus to make extra money from prison to prison. You could, you know, go off, he, he was allowed to go off of grounds to go to art shows because he was a painter. And he did really, like, it sucks because his paintings are beautiful. And he did this... Fucking evil Bob Ross. Literally evil Bob Ross because he, like, literally did this really gorgeous black art. Here's some happy little murder and, you know... Fuck evil Bob Ross. Fuck evil Bob Ross. But we love Bob Ross. But we love Bob Ross. Bob Bob Ross Ross is awesome. Bob Ross is the homie. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know where my head is today, but I'm like... I don't know. I'm on one tonight, but... Bob Ross, real Bob Ross was the homie. Fuck fake evil Bob Ross. Yeah, fuck evil Bob Ross. <laughs> um, so he was allowed off of grounds to do certain things when there was a guard present, and this is where we get into fuck them guards. Fuck those guards. Let me tell you, home. Like, mm, eight years after the murder, he's still in prison. He's still doing his shit. It's December of 1973, and this homeboy was allowed to go shopping. For Christmas! You're a child murderer. What? I do not understand. Anyway, so he's allowed to go off grounds to um, go do this Christmas shopping, and it's two to three hours before they realize that Lester was not coming back. Fuck them guards, because the guards were supposed to be present at the, at all times. Like, they were supposed to go in a big group, and I guess maybe they thought that... Um, that it would take too much time for them to all go in one group, so they just let them go shop for their families individually. So fuck them guards for not doing their job properly and most likely just being lazy. Um, Yeah, fuck those guards. Fuck them guards. They should have been matching outfits at least or something. They should have at least, if they were going to go out, they should have at least made them wear a shirt that said, like, Ohio Penitentiary on it. Or, like, something like that. Because they were in civilian clothing. Yeah. Like, Homeboy probably didn't even go shopping. Probably just went in one side of the mall, out the other. And... They literally gave him the means to escape. Homeboy caught a bus, probably, because he had money on him. Right? As a matter of that fact... That dude did not buy any Christmas presents. No, he did not. And I, I feel bad for the people he was not going to buy for. As a matter of fact, he I bet you money that he left that shopping mall. Excuse me. He left that shopping mall and got immediately on a bus before that two or three hours was even up and he was already on his way to L.A. Because that's exactly where he was and when he left that shopping center. Like, you remember, they talked about it. He well, thought no, he was going to get caught because they pulled over the bus looking for illegal fruits. Well, they Which, said he, by the way... Well, they said he went to Michigan first. They, he did go to Michigan. By the way... They say at some point that he was on a bus that got pulled over, and he thought he was going to go back to jail. But they were pulling the bus over to look for illegal fruits. What is an illegal fruit? I don't understand. I have lots of questions. (laughs) (laughs) What is an illegal fruit, and why is that fruit illegal? I don't... This dangerous strawberry... It was probably, like, I can't even, like, the only thing that I can think of that's illegal in today's world that's a fruit is durian. And it's not illegal. You can have it. You just can't fucking eat it on public transport because it stinks so bad. Maybe it was, they were worried about, maybe someone just stole some fruit or something? Or maybe we just misunderstood it? Why would you care that much about fruit? 
Like, yeah, somebody stole some apples. It, I'm like not a, pulling over a bus to look for those apples. It's like a, a fruit version of a drug run. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck illegal fruit is. <laughs> if you guys know what these illegal fruits are, please tell me because I'm very confused and it's, it's making me delirious how confused I am. So somebody please send help. Um, thank you. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so they were actually... So in Columbus now, the two biggest malls that we have are the Polaris Shopping Center, which is fucking awesome, and the Easton Mall, both of which are half indoor, half outdoor malls. They're both rather large. Um, so, at some point after those went up, the mall that this man escaped at, that Lester escaped at, was shut down. And it looks like torn down completely, because it just looks like a little town now. It was called the Greater, the Great Southern Shopping Center. And I literally Googled it, I looked it up, and I was looking at the Google Maps of it, because I'd never heard of it, and I go to Columbus all the fucking time, right? So I'm going through, I'm looking at things, it's got like a Skyline, a Popeye's, a Dollar Tree, a KFC, it's got like a pawn shop, a a Kroger, a a buffet, it kind of reminds me of Park Ave here in Mansfield, it's just like there's a Kroger's, and then there's like a little strip mall, and then there's like four different restaurants, and there's a gas station, and there's like the one fucking weird sit-down restaurant over here, like there's no buffet on Park Ave, it's either like Park Ave or like Spring Mill, where there's all those restaurants, and then a shopping center, like a strip. And then, like, the Mexican restaurant over here and the buffets down there, which we don't have a buffet um, on, like, Springle anymore because they closed it down because people was getting sick. Dun, dun, dun. We had a place called the Ocean Buffet here in town. And let me tell you, do you know how many times I saw ambulances at that fucking place? <laughs> and the paramedics were not eating there. The lights were a-flashing. <laughs> <laughs> they were gone. So... Like, that's what it reminds me of. So, like, if you have a little strip in your town that has, like, a Kroger's and an Aldi's and, like, a little strip mall that has, like, all the, you know, cute little things on it. In fact, it's, like, it's, it's like, 4th Street more than it's, like, Lexington or Park Ave. Because on 4th Street, there's, like, that strip that has, like, the old B-dubs and, like, the BMV now and, like, all that shit. And then there's, like the Mexican restaurant, and then there's, like, a gas station, and there's another restaurant. So it reminds me of, like, that kind of area. So it looks like a little town, almost. Like, it looks like the entertainment center kind of of a town. Fair enough. Like, um, we don't really have one in Manson, but we have, like, three in Ontario, so... But just so you know, you know those people are getting some egg rolls to go, you know? (laughs) I hope not! My family, so when, so for Thanksgiving one year, we had everybody come down to Mansfield, and we were all, we were living in a house, um, over, off of, it was like literally five minutes from Mansfield Senior, we were living in this little house over there, and all my family came to visit, we went there once, and half of my family got fucking food poisoning. Half of them, half of us, and we're like a, a larger black family at the time, so, you know, half of us was, like, eight of us getting food poisoning. Oh, jeez. So, like, I was very lucky. I don't think I got food poisoning. I don't think my dad got food poisoning, which I don't even know why he was there because my parents were divorced at the time, probably just to be a part of. But <laughs> I didn't get food poisoning. My dad didn't get food poisoning. I think my sister and my mom did. I don't think my cousin Jared did. And I don't think my Aunt April did. I, don't, I, I think Tasia did, though. And I don't, I don't think my Aunt Ronnie or my Uncle Robert got food poisoning, but everybody else got food poisoning. Hmm. So, like, I hope them paramedics weren't dumb enough 
You know At what I'm saying? The crab rangoons. We have a Band Express now for that, homie. Like, you don't have to do that to yourself. <laughs> so the other thing that was suspicious about Lester's time in prison was that, like, for the longest time, until he got onto that honor system, he was only getting visitors once a month, maybe. And it was not regular. It was like one, you know, one month it would be on the first, the next month it would be on the fucking thirty first. Like it, 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 it was very sporadic. But it, like, he would get visitors every month, but it wasn't on a regular basis. As soon as he got onto that honors program, it went from being once a month or once a, like there were some years that he got like once a year visits, and then some years that he got like once a month visits to once a week or multiple times a week. Yeah. And that was right after his escape. So we are almost guaranteeing that it was premeditated. Guaranteeing that it was premeditated. Um, so in 1995, 20 years later, a Mansfield Police Department captain, again, good looking out Mansfield PD, going back and checking on something that you really didn't have to go back and check on, but you did go off. They checked in on Lester's warrants because there were there was a federal there was a state warrant and two federal warrants out for him for felony escape. They found that none of these warrants were still in existence. Neither of them like none of them existed anymore. And so like this man probably got pulled over on a number of occasions for fucking like speeding or driving drunk or whatever the fuck and never got caught because the warrants were gone. Yeah, um, I'm guessing he didn't do a lot of driving. I mean, they said that his only ID was a hunting license, and that was because he didn't get fingerprinted. That was in the 70s, though. Coming into the 90s, he would have been able to drive, because in the 90s, they stopped making you get fingerprinted for a license. They might have even stopped it before that. Because my mom never had to get fingerprinted for her license, and she started, like, so my mom was 18 when she moved to Mansfield, and she moved to Mansfield... At the start of the night, he's like 92 or something. And she never had to get fingerprinted for any of her licenses, and she would have gotten her first license two years before that. So somewhere between 85 and 90, they stopped making people get fingerprinted, at least on this side of the country, for licenses. Because my mom got her license in fucking Michigan. It wasn't here. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe that... Um, so he, they mentioned that he has a had a cousin... That was a decently successful Motown singer from Detroit. Yeah, his name was, um, what was it? I have it written down. I think it was Daryl Banks. Daryl Banks. I think. And uh, I I wonder if maybe because he was mildly successful, maybe he had friends that could clear his warrants. I doubt it. So his well, cousin, tell me why his warrants are gone. His cousin Give me dead. a logical his, reason. His cousin's dead. And, and now? No, I'm talking cousin, about when his this cousin, happened. His cousin was dead because when he ended up in L.A., he, his warrants were still out, remember, because he, he was on the bus there okay. and he thought that he was going to get charged and sent back to prison. And by that time, the woman that he stayed yeah, with yeah, was yeah, already yeah, his cousin was out. So how the fuck did that happen? One of the guys on the thing, I did not catch his name, but he said the only thing that he could think of is that it was maybe like a failure to follow up on the FBI's part. And because of that failure to follow up, there was a clerical issue and it 
got that particular bit removed. That's just fucked up. I know. Just let the child murderer just go off in the wind. Oh, yeah. So, good on you. Go off, Mr. Captain Man from Mansfield PD. Um, like I said before, I know three separate, or I know two separate cops, three separate cops in the Mansfield Police Department. All of them are good people. As a matter of fact, the Mansfield Police Department is one of the few police departments that I've, I've never had an experience with where I felt like I was in danger. And I've gotten pulled over on several occasions. I've gotten pulled over multiple times, like not multiple times, like I've gotten pulled over like twice, once or twice by Mansfield Police Department. But I've also gotten Isaiah Mansfield Police Department. Isaiah says she is a hardened criminal. I... Like, literally, like, one time my car died on Lexington Spring Mill. Like, when you're coming up onto that bridge, my car died. The motor locked. I couldn't get it to do anything. And this Mansfield police officer, Mansfield PD, comes up behind me, and he's like, he comes over, he's like, hey, sweetie, what's going on? And I'm like, my car died. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And he was like, okay. And he goes back to his car, and he radios a couple people. He's like, I can't get any backup, but I'm going to try to push you over this hill. And he straight did. He did not have to do that. Fair enough. So, like, every experience I've had with Mansfield PD has been good. So, good on you, Mansfield Police. Go off. You guys are awesome. I will back the blue on that one 100% for Mansfield PD. Um, anyway, so, now that, you know, they're aware that Lester's things have been removed because of that good fucking captain doing good fucking police work, um, Lester was featured on America's Most Wanted because he was like, listen... We can't keep doing this shit. The only way to get his face out there now, because he was at that point, he had no warrants, and at that point, like, he had been evading for years. So they were like, let's put his face on America's Most Wanted, which was a show that ran in the 90s if you're young like me and don't know that. I know that because my mom used to make me watch it, but... Um, Isn't that the show where uh, the, guy, the host was... His son was involved in a murder, and that's kind of what got him into that? His son, we've talked about him before, his name is John Walsh. Yeah. And him and Noreen Gosh were very close because their sons were murdered or taken. His son was murdered, her son was taken, and they worked very closely together to take part in the creation of For Missing and Exploited Children. So we've already talked about him on a case before, his name is John Walsh. Yeah, that's cool. His son was murdered, and the only thing that they ever found of his son was his head. I want to cover that case. Okay. So they put him on America's Most Wanted, and this was September 10th, 1994. And a woman calls and says, hey, I know that dude. I know that dude. And not only do I know that dude, but I know the dad dude. Uh, you know, he was like, I used to run around with him. I used to, you know, she's like, I used to know him. And I know where he used to live, and I know the woman they used to live with. And they give him all of this information, and I think it was Ohio PD comes all the way from Ohio to I thought it was LA. Los Angeles PD. It might have been Los Angeles PD, but I could have sworn the guy that was talking about it had a Mansfield PD badge on his arm. But maybe that was just the guy talking about it. I don't know. Anyway, they the police go to her house, and she's like, yeah, he lived here. you know. And this is the woman that was married to Darrell Banks. And he was shot and killed, so she was his widow. And um, that was Lester's cousin, was Darrell Banks. And this is on October 24th, 1994, so that's literally like a month later. And they talk to her, and she's like, yeah, he lived here. Um, He used the name Victor Young when he was with me. 
Um, he did paintings and art shows while he was here, but he was very abusive to me. And they, she also gave them the name of a place where he used to work. Um, a mattress factory. A mattress factory, of all fucking places. Um, and she was like, he was very abusive when he was staying with me, so I kind of tricked him out of this house. I don't know where he went after that, but I tricked him. She was like, I told him that I got a call from the FBI or from Ohio police or something like that looking for him. And he bounced almost immediately. Like, within 20 minutes of her telling him that, he was out of the house. Thank so, God there was no caller ID back then. Yeah, facts. So, um... That was, you know, how she got him out of the house. And she was like, I don't know anything about him outside of that. So, um... Here's the information. Do with it what you will. Um, and then they tracked that mattress shop to a, gar- a Gardenia job, which is in the town of... Gar- I guess that's a town. Gardena. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. It's a fucking town in California. I don't like California. I love all the Californians, but I don't like California because it's fucking weird. Like, it's expensive, and there's no reason for it to be. <laughs> but um, he worked there until 86, just about. And that's all the information that they had on him. They continued to try to, if it makes any sense, they continued to try to, like, work out this case between 86 and 96. But at some point they ran out of leads. At some point they just could not justify keeping this case open. It was costing too many dollars and too many hours of police work. And so in 1996... They had to shut down the investigation. They didn't close the case. The case is still open. But they did shut down their active investigation, at least Mansfield Police Department did, because they just couldn't waste it. Until they found another new lead. Until they found a new lead, which they did find in the summer of 03. Um, So 2003. I would have been, like, turning four. Ugh. I have to fuck with him a little bit, guys, because he's an old man. Oh, my gosh. How old were you in 2003, homie? 2003? Yeah. It was right after I graduated high school, so... <laughs> I'd have been about... Oh, uh, 2021. 20, I, I was a four-year-old and you were 21 years old. That's fun. Not fun. <laughs> I mean, depending on when in 2003. said summer. Summer. I was 20. Yeah, you would have been 20. Your birthday's in what? October, November? November. Yours is the first day of November or something like that. Because you and Dara always have a shared birthday. Not the first day, but that doesn't matter. You know what it's I'm talking about. Like, it's at the beginning of November. And the only way I know is because Dara said that when you guys were, like, teenagers, you guys used to do birthday stuff at the same time. We did. So, like, you guys used to do Halloween-themed birthday parties together because your birthdays were so close. Um, and because Halloween is the best holiday? Yes, and because Halloween is the best holiday. Let me tell you guys, I got my first pumpkin spice this season the other day. Good fucking shit. I will be cracked out on pumpkin spice for the next six months until they take it away from me. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'm, I have a problem. I have a fucking addiction. I got pumpkin spice before I came over here today, and I've had one almost every day since they came out. So, Well, there's other things you could be addicted to that is much worse. That's true. I can be cracked out on actual crack, but I'm not. It's just coffee. Just just pumpkin spice coffee. Just, just I, 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 I approve. You approve. Thank you. Um, you be a white girl. Yeah. 
basic You're white bitch. Basic white bitch. You're the blackest basic white bitch you've ever seen. You really are. <laughs> Um, so in the, um, in the summer of 03, and just so we're clear, if fucking Lester is even still alive, Homeboy is like 77, because he was born in 43. Like, I don't know exactly how that math works out, but he's an old-ass man now. Like, it almost would be more trouble than it's worth the time and money to try to find him and put him back Negative. now. Find his ass... Shoot him twice in the head and bash him over the head with a brick. I mean, if that's what they were going to do, I'd be okay with it. <laughs> but that's not what they're going to do. They're going to put him in the prison system, and I'm going to have to pay for all of these man's health issues when I pay my taxes every year. Because he's now 77. And he's lived out his life, and you know this man was probably out in L.A. doing drugs, because that's what they did back in those days. And, like, you know that he's going to have health problems and shit, and we're going to be paying for that as taxpayers in the state of Ohio, because homeboy is now 77 and riddled with disease. So it's almost like like I, I want him to have to pay for what he did to this little girl. But even if I they agree. put even if they put him back in prison right now, he's not going to pay for what he did. He's gonna live out a few no, years. He got and away die. with it for too long. He got away with it for too long. He's not going to pay for it now. He might be dead. That's what I've been like trying to say. Like we were talking about this while the while the show was going and I was like, it's almost a waste of time and money. To try to put this guy back in prison. He was like, no, I want him to pay. And I was like, I want him to pay too. But unless they're doing to him what he did to that little girl, it's not fucking worth it. Because they're just going to put him in prison. He's gonna, We're going to pay for his medical expenses for two years, which he'd probably be happy about. Because you know homeboy probably doesn't have fucking health insurance. And then he's going to die. He's not going to pay for what he did if he goes back to prison. He Like, if, if somebody wanted him to pay, they would have to vigilante his ass and do the same thing to him that he did to that little girl for him to pay. It wouldn't be worth it. He wouldn't pay going back to prison. You know what I'm saying? It would almost be like a reward because he would have all the medical care he needs. He would have access to books. He would have access. Like, the medical or the um, prison system now is so different than it was back in the day. It would be a vacation for a 70-year-old man to not have to cook for himself, to not have to clean for himself, to not have to take care of himself or his own medical needs, for it to all be paid for. Someone should find his nunchucks and just beat him beat him down. Like, if, if he's going to suffer, I think it's more likely that he'll suffer in the outside world having to work until he's fucking 100 because you know he doesn't have a retirement plan. Fair enough. I want him found. I want I want everybody to know where he is, and I want him in prison because I want him off the streets. I don't want him to be able to hurt anybody else. But him being in prison is he's not going to pay at this point. He just got away. He got away with it for over twenty years. He he lived his he lived twenty to thirty years of his life that he should have been paying for a little girl's murder. That she could have lived that life, but he, she can't because he took it from her. Ugh. I want him in prison for protection of others, but I don't think it would do anything, like, to make him pay. Yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying. But fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. I'm not saying not fuck him. Like, I'm, I'm saying that this... Like, what I really would like to see happen is for somebody to know who he is, find out what he's done, and be like, I am not about to report this guy until I kill him, and then I'll take the $25,000 after he's dead. And, like, shoot him twice and bash him in the head. Because you know Mansfield is one of those states. Nobody would say a goddamn thing. They'd be like, how unfortunate. 
How tragic that this man though? who created, that this man who committed a horrible crime died in the same way that he killed a 14-year-old girl. How tragic. Here's your money, homie. Move not along. Like, that's sure what they I'd would do. sure i consider that tragic. Like, but you know that, that that's that's what they would do. That's how that would go. Right. So you may as well kill him, make him pay, and then get your $25,000. Right. I'm not condoning murder. I'm not condoning murder. This is a public service announcement because is saying murder the <laughs> fuck out of this guy. I'm just saying, like, if we're talking about what would make him pay, that would be what would make him pay. I'm not saying to go out there and find this guy and kill him because that's wrong and you would go to prison for that. And I would go to prison for that, so please don't do that to me. But, like, you know what I'm saying, homie? Like, if, if we wanted to make him pay, that's what somebody would need to do. Off the subject, off the topic, please don't commit murder. I didn't tell you to. But if you are a murderer... (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm shocked this man hasn't turned himself in at this point, because when people get that old, like, do you know how many people have, like, committed so many murders, like, serial killers, and then they reach their 70s or 80s and realize that they have no retirement plan, and they turn themselves in, and they're like, yeah, I did this, can I have the thing now? And then they get stuck in prison for the rest of their lives, and it's a fucking luxury, because they don't have to work, they don't have to pay bills, they don't have to worry about their medical expenses... Yeah, my assumption is he is dead now. I would have to guess, or he's close to. Yeah. And just nobody knows because he went under a different name. Yeah. So. In the summer of 03, I've... Sorry, we keep going off on these tangents, but I've, I, you know, I think you guys like it, so it's fine. <laughs> um, they go to meet with his father, this lieutenant... Um, and he was very—he was a new officer on the force at the time, and one of the uh, more experienced officers was doing a, a, a study into like older escape cases so that they could lessen their escapes. And he got stuck with this case, and he goes to his father's house. His father's name is Moses. We talked about him. He's a clergyman. They called him a man of the cloth, and his father says. People change and go on and live their lives. So, or live new lives. And that let the police officers know right there that his father knew where Lester was. And then they get a call from a woman saying, Hey, I was with Moses and he was, he got a phone call. And when he took this phone call, he excused himself and he comes back and he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I was on the phone with my son from Alabama. None of the other, none of um, Lester's siblings were in Alabama at the time, so it would have been him. Um, again, I am not saying, like, if you know, if you have any information on this guy, please take it to the correct people. Because the one thing that the family asked for, they want him in jail. I'm a cynic in some ways when it comes to these cases. Like, I'm an optimist in every other way. Stephen will tell you I'm an optimist in every other way. But when it comes to true crime cases, I'm a cynic because people are fucking terrible. And, like, I've been like that, and he's ripped on me for it before. He's like, you can't be a cynic all the time. It makes for a very uninteresting podcast. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, I know, but, like, I really think that this is what happened. And so, like, that's why I'm like, is is he going to pay if he goes back to jail? No. But that's what the family is asking for. So if you have any information on him, please, please talk about it. And get it to the correct people so that this man can go back to jail and the family can get the peace that they need. Um, Because at at this point, that's what it literally is about. It's about 
her remaining family members getting peace. Um, in July of 2015, he was put on the, the U.S.'s 15 most wanted list, so if you want any information or his wanted poster, as a matter of fact, I think I have it fucking pulled up, and I'll, I'll read to you what his what it's describing him as on um, the most wanted list, because I'm not going to read everything, but I will go over his um, wanted poster. On his wanted poster, it gives his date of birth, his race, his sex, his height, his weight. Um, it does say that he has a large scar slash a burn on his upper right arm, and he has used the aliases um, Victor Young, Pete Eubanks, and Lester William Eubanks, but his real name is Lester E. Eubanks. He is also left-handed. And the case outline is that Lester Eubanks is wanted by the Ohio Adult Parole Attorney or Parole Authority for Escape. In December of 1973, Eubanks walked away from the custody of the Ohio Department of Corrections while on a temporary honor for Lowe to go Christmas shopping. At the time of his escape, Eubanks was serving a life sentence for the November 1965 murder and attempted rape of a 14-year-old girl, Mary Ellen Diener. Eubanks has previously been sentenced with, de- with the death penalty, but the sentence was commuted to life in prison without parole in 1972. And then it just tells um, law enforcement to verify the warrant through the National Crime Investigation before they arrest him. If the subject is arrested, they're supposed to contact the U.S. Marshal Service and the state of Ohio. And the reward has actually been upped. When you watch the, d- the documentary on Unsolved Mysteries, it says $25,000. The reward has been upped to $50,000. Damn. So, if you have any information, there is a whole bunch of things as well. They have a whole bunch of photos on here on the website. Like, they have the co- composite photos of him now. The, 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 missing, the Center for Missing and Exploited Children's did one of him at 77 in today's world. Um, they have pictures of him from back in the day. They have pictures of him at age 50 from when he was on um, America's Most Wanted. So if you have any information, you can contact. um, They have this, the Service Communications Center, which is 1-800-336-0102, or they have the USMS TIF website, which you can go to, or you can just literally go to this website, the U.S. Marshals website, Click submit a tip and they will take it in. You can also go to unsolvedmysteries.com and give any information there, and they will relay it directly back to the state of Ohio and the U.S. Marshal's office. Um, and they did give us a number at the end um, for you guys to call if you have any information. It's 860 wanted. Um, again, if you have any information, I know I said that it probably wouldn't make him pay, but the family it, the family wants. That's what the family wants. and We are going to support whatever it is that the family wants. Yeah, because fuck him. So, um, if you know anything, feel free to come forward. Do you have anything else to add, Stephen or me? No, oh, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy, but also go off Mansfield Police Department for doing good police work. I cannot say that enough. Yeah, we've been, we've been pretty harsh about cops on this show because almost every single time it seems to be some fucking bad police work or dirty police work. And in and this, this case, time, we are very proud. Great police work. We are very proud to be from Mansfield in this case because I think you and I both are very proud to be from a city that took this case so seriously. Yep. 
Because they did what they were supposed to do. Yeah, if this had happened back in Shelby, they would have thrown him in jail and nothing would have ever been said about it again because it was a little black girl that died. But in Mansfield, nah, homie, they'd still be talking about her and they want him to pay for what he did to her. So go off Mansfield Police Department. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. I'm sorry if this has been ungodly long or you guys are tired of listening. Um, I think the next case that I'm going to do really is going to be the Alyssa Turney case. And if it's not, it'll be the a hijacked case by Steven, which I, I am excited for. It's been a long time since I have not had to do any work for a podcast. <laughs> I, I, I mean, if we just stories. continue with the Unsolved Mysteries episodes, uh, the next one I would be hijacking. I might just let you hijack the next one to give me some to give me a full month to finish the Alyssa Turney research instead of having to like finish it all quickly in two weeks. Yeah, I'm almost thinking we should just continue and finish the Unsolved Mysteries. I really want to do. I really want to get this Alyssa Turney case out. The only reason I'm going to get this case out is because there is an active there's an active court case going on. And if anybody has information about her, I would like that information to go to the correct authorities now during well, the active court case. I guess we'll we'll debate on that next time we record and see where you are in the case and. If you're ready for it, then we'll do that case. If not, we'll continue on Solved Mysteries. Alright. We still need to finish these. I know. We're going to get a whole other volume before I fucking... And I've also been doing a little bit of research at work while I'm working. And, uh... Because I am also going to be doing an episode on vampires soon. Bomb sauce. Also, guys... Um, if you guys want us to do, if you guys are interested, I don't know how interested you are in haunted things, but Steven and I have been talking about potentially trying to save the money and take the time off of work to go stay in an actual real-life haunted hotel, um, where there's a lot of activity, and they let you explore the floor that has the most activity on it, and I think that that would be really cool. It's called the Renaissance Hotel. It's in the state of Ohio. It's in Cleveland. So, if you guys would like to see that episode, you know, it'd probably be a little while before we could do it, because we're trying to get through all of these Unsolved Mysteries things, but if you guys would like that, let us know, um, whether through review on Apple Podcasts, or once this goes up on the YouTube channel, a comment on the YouTube channel, or my Twitter, or his Twitter, or whatever the fuck else, and, um, we'd be happy to hopefully look into doing that for you guys. Yes! It's haunted things. Spooky spook season. It would be cool to go to the uh, reformatory and Yeah, I want to do that, that too. And there's one other thing that I want to do. We haven't talked about this yet, but I don't think it'd be more than a day trip because it's just in Kentucky. The Waverly Sanitarium. Mm. Which, if you don't know, is also on the same level as the reformatory, one of the most haunted places in the country. I think I've heard of it. It was a tuberculosis sanitarium back in the day. All right. Well, not much else to do other than uh, plug your pluggables. Plug your pluggables. Uh, you can find me on Dragon Blazer Productions on the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the YouTubes. And you can also find me on the Twitter at Dragon Blazer Pro. 100%. Um, I believe I haven't used our true crime Twitter in a very long time, but if I had to guess... It is Unsolved Comedies. Still, I think I left it on Unsolved Comedies. And then... Um, Our email address is Unsolved Comedy. It is. Um, and on top of that, I also we also have a Facebook group. 
I believe it's titled That Got Dark, a true crime podcast or something like that. Correct. Correct. So feel free to join that group for updates and information which, when we record our podcasts. Which if you look at the description of this podcast, a lot of these uh, areas have a, uh, a link to any of them if you want to uh, send us any messages. Send us any messages okay. or if you're too scared to relay information, like, you know... We've said it before. If you ever send information our way, we'll make sure it gets to the correct authorities as well. Um, and if you would, if you've got that iTunes, if you got that iTunes, homie, we would love those five stars. Please, five and stars, leave us a review. and leave us a review. Because I love hearing what people think, and I haven't gotten a review since that one guy that told Stephen to stop arguing with me, and I would love more. And I haven't listened to them. He has <laughs> I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, homie, you gotta stop. <laughs> Never. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I will see you in two weeks on another episode of That Got Dark. Well, that got dark. Everyone's part of the good flow I can't testify There's something in the water It makes you To dance away their grown-up problems Making up their own words when I don't got them I can't testify There's something in the water It makes me I'm so glad I found you Cause there's nothing but love Around you I know that always I'll treasure these days If I'm traveling around on the freeways No matter what I do I'll be thinking of you No matter where I go I'll smile back on these shows Cause we need a family And that's enough to fill me now Shining. I can't testify there's something in the water.
case that we just discussed, please mention it in the comment section. And also like and subscribe my page, Dragon Blazer Productions. Right there, right there. Just, you know, click on that. Subscribe, you know, there's a little thumbs up. Like it. Thank you very much.